Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Why go into it being like, I need to make this certain amount of money? Like, because money drives people in such the wrong way. Typically, the problem is rooted in they are too central to their business. They are losing, I think, some passion for what it is they are doing. The third component of it is they need the money. When those three combinations of factors come together, people are unbelievably frustrated. There are so many different ways to grow a company and it's an easier sell to do what everyone else is doing. It's harder to hold on to something where you're like, but this is more important and I might be saying no to money. Do you feel like your company is running you? Do you feel like you have no time to yourself and you always have to deal with your customers? Do you feel like you've built up systems and processes and technologies that are suffocating you and you can't get out of your patterns? Are you beholden to your own process or an employee or you just feel like no matter what you think about, like you get pulled right back into the vortex of what you've already created? Welcome back to Mission Daily, everyone. Albert and I are going to talk about all those things on today's episode. Albert, where should we start? Let's <laughs> let's start with where does this even come from? Because we've been kind of talking to different people. We have our audience has started submitting more questions. If you want to submit a question, hit us up, info at mission.org. I know we got to plug that up front. And also, if you're watching this, go ahead and click that subscribe or follow button because we found out an overwhelming majority of you listen to us but don't actually follow, follow along. I know, Steph, that's kind of annoying. We have to put it up front. We got to put it up front. Yes. Where did this come from? Because we've actually been hearing it. Talk to me. Steph, you yourself recently decided to break away, to step away, to feel like, because uh, you felt like something was off and you wanted to reassess the way we were doing things. Where, yeah. Talk about, maybe we talk about like how we approached it and because it's a common problem that a lot of business owners have. Yeah. And we're going to talk about me breaking away from the company for a bit to come back, right? That's the one. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So if you listen to the previous episode where I talked about going to Dominican Republic for two weeks, that was that process of let me pull back from all the day-to-day -day operations, all the engagements with our team members, what we normally talk about, and just get out of that mindset so I can think about our company from a higher perspective. Because right now, you know, when I'm in the day-to-day -day and we're running these shows and we've got our sponsors and just so many details to manage, it can feel really hard to do anything different because you look around and you're like, well, I've always had, you know, this one contractor and this one team member, and I've always worked with these systems. And the second you start poking holes, it can feel like everything's going to fall apart. So then it can go six months, a year, and you're still doing things the same way with almost everything. And then you're like five years later and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been, I'm like an airplane. I've been having those little pivots and now I'm headed to Miami instead of California. And I didn't even know when really I know my vision is bigger than this, or I want to be doing something different. So that's what I did, just pulling out completely of for two whole weeks, turning my mind off to any operations and not being in the business at all. I wasn't doing any normal tasks. I wasn't doing my emails. I wasn't really talking to our team members. I wasn't uh, worrying about content going out. I just stepped away. And I will say we are blessed because we have processes that have allowed me to do that and you to step away for a week or two at a time without things breaking. But with that, it allowed me to get out of the business and then actually 
operate the business, see it from a different perspective, and then check in with like, where do we actually want to go? How do I want to think about this company, the team member we have, um, and just really thinking about it from a first principles perspective, instead of building on, like I said previously, a foundation that you've maybe been building for years and you don't even recognize how suffocating it can be to be like, okay, maybe I have, you know, I've got Albert over here and Albert, maybe he doesn't know how to host, even though he's a great host. He doesn't really know how to host. And I'm over here trying to supplement Albert with like, okay, I'm going to put in this secondary host here. And then I'm going to like have a video person, like try and make him look even better on camera because he's not looking at the camera. And all of a sudden I'm like adding all these complimentary resources and like investments. And then I'm like, well, maybe I just should have gotten rid of Albert. Like maybe that should be what I should be thinking about. You should. And, and, it should be should. on the table. It should be on the table. I think everything should be on the p- table. But what I noticed was how hard it is to think that way. Uh, I was like, if everything were on the chopping block and I were to build this company from scratch today, what would that look like? Yeah, what would I and, want it to run like? And I want to take a quick pause or help our listeners kind of understand what, which type of business we're talking about. Because I've gotten a chance to be in both types. One is one that grows through scale uh, by like replication, excuse me, scale through replication. So a good scale through replication type business is going to be a restaurant. Like, for example, some restaurants that want to scale, they'll open a second location, Uh, a self-storage company like you can open through replication. Like what I do in real estate, I just replicate. You know what I mean? Like it, it's easy to replicate and therefore that's how we scale mm-hmm. the challenge more challenging thing tends to be in i think software and services which is you want to scale you don't need to replicate like you get no benefit from opening a new location for example but you need maybe a new product offering or a new delivery mechanism or you need something that makes more customers want what you have or make it easier to make what you have or are currently making that's a it's a, definitely a bigger challenge. So I see the problem with um, people of my people I know, for example, in financial planning, people that are in hedge fund, uh, people that are in software, and people that are in creative. Oftentimes, services-based businesses often have a really hard time scaling or getting bigger if they want to get bigger because of what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if we were a replication business, that'd be easy. Once you've got your process, well, let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which... Like that's, that's a we different don't. business. Yeah, which I don't really, yeah, I don't really like that model for. Obviously, we can't do that here. So, I mean, when I think about what I did this year, I want to implement this every quarter. Like every quarter, just like freshly look at everything that we have running and be like, does this still feel good? And maybe most quarters that you'll be like, yes, this still feel, feels fine. This is how I'd want to rebuild it. This is the team. These are the the way I want it to be running. Like that feels good. And I think even just taking that time, like literally getting away from the constant day to day is the only way you can really come at it from, you know, a fresh approach to make sure that you're going where you want to go. Yeah. Quarterly sounds tough. Definitely tough. Yeah. Because it takes, it takes a while to build a habit. I think um, it's also a short time window to see, know if something is successful, but I, I'm not against the idea that you should be self-assessing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with some stories. You know what I mean? Like what are some instances where you where because we're kind of living a story right now. Um, I'm trying to think of my examples I have of people of when we stepped back, how did we break through? I and I have one from our previous software days. Software yeah. days. Well, Let's start with your story days. then. Let's hear it. Yeah. So in the early stages of building a software company, this was at a company called XBion, and we were in a new category effectively, uh, social media management software companies. I mean, the category didn't exist. Social media 
as a tool for businesses to use was really only around since 2008. Uh, so this is circa 2011. Facebook did not make pages till 2008. So once their pages product was open, then they opened up APIs. Then shortly thereafter, companies started following on. And I remember there was like a huge race and you heard about, uh, you know, Salesforce buying Buddy Media for like 700 million. There was Radiant 6 that acquired for over 380 million. So businesses were being exited and there was all these different product categories that each company kind of specialized in. And so that's when we started realizing like, hey, if we don't have a best of breed specialty, we will get lost because we started noticing that no one really wanted to buy generalist software. You know what I mean? Like it was like for a purpose. And so we had to sit back and recognize that. And at the time, this is, and this is actually just by chance alone. One of our biggest customers was Apple Gold, which owned all these Applebee's. And we just decided like, it's so logistically hard to manage all these pages because here's what happened. Applebee's wanted each and every one of their restaurants to own their own Facebook page because they all had their own specials, pricing, special events. Like it didn't make sense to put it on a, a singular page. And so at the time, there was no way to manage all of them. And so we were like, if we build our software for this, we will win multi-location business. And so we used this concept of many, 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 um, meaning that's like our internal tagline. We was like, everything has to be many, many, many. It has to handle many locations, many people. And um, I forgot what the third mini is off the top, many brands eventually. So, so that was our bet. And it ended up working, but that's kind of like, we had to really sit down and think like, what lane do we want to build in? Cause there were many, many lanes. Had we had not assessed what we were doing and watched all these people getting exited, we would have been generalists. Mm-hmm. Don't know if we would have been as successful as we eventually were, but like that, that was like a prime example of having to step back and be like, we're building all these things. We're building all the wrong things. And so we really only listened to customers after that, that had these problems many locations, many, um, you know, many employees, many brands. If they didn't have that, it didn't make sense. So how did you know that you were building the wrong thing? Like, what was that moment where you were like, yep, this is definitely going down the right path and we need to zoom out and like get out of this current business to look at where we need to take it? Well, the wrong thing I think is here's, here's, here's where a lot of business owners, I think, don't really look inward and self-assess. You're building the wrong thing when there's no demand. Straight up. Like you do all these sales pitches and nobody seems to want to buy. I think you're building probably the wrong thing or something's not resonating. I know some people will say, hey, uh, you need to tweak and refine and eventually you'll find it. Probably true. But somewhere in that area, you're, you're, just not, you're not hitting the mark. So how did we know we were building the wrong thing? It started with the lack of demand. We would do all these demos and people would always kind of point, but this other company does this. Uh, that is more prevalent, I think, in the software industry, in services, maybe not. So like, for example, if you were to try to pitch your uh, like cleaning service, I don't know if they would point to another cleaning service and say like, oh, well, they do toilets. You don't do toilets. Or I don't know what could be the service differentiators. Mm-hmm. In software, it's more evident. And we would, they would tell us like, hey, this isn't working. This is, they, you don't have this. And so we're always building like, one was like an app builder. They're building app builders. One was like, a more listening platform. Like we're not building a listening platform. And so you start seeing like you're getting pulled apart. And so like your feature set that you're building didn't seem to like cohesively build a better product. Like you built one thing for one prospect who might've bought your software, but that one thing you built wasn't used by anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so this was before product software existed where you could 
easily with data assess like do people use these services so we just had to like basically and here's how we did it we would we would see like one group shipping bugs and telling us all the bugs and like no one else complaining and so we would know like no one else is using this mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how we knew um so it was just super hard we just could not we just we were always demoing and not getting deals when we went down the mini mini concept it allowed us to say, this is how we engineer. This is how we service. This is what our customers look at. This is what our marketing looks like. All of a sudden, we were starting to land deals and getting deal velocity. We started getting 360i. We started getting H&R Block, many locations. 360i, many brands. We started getting AMC Theaters, many locations. We got Estee Lauder, many brands, many locations, and many countries. And so it started easily. It started to be more easily recognizable, and it started to allow our prospects easily recognize us and so like they understood their problem and they understood who was the top let's say three products that could solve this solve this problem um solve this problem you know so we were in the consideration set like our old chairman his name's brian weiner he's now the ceo of profitero i believe the company's profitero if it's not we'll go back and change it but i'm pretty sure he's ceo of profitero he used to always say we're not even in the consideration set. So he would be like, hey, listen, if you're not in the consideration set, you're not even playing the game. So you got to get in the consideration set. And so the consideration set is, for example, if I were to tell you, hey, let's go shopping for luxury cars or exotic luxury cars, you might be like, oh, Mercedes, Lexus, Tesla. If I say I want to shop in a supercar, I want a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, or Bugatti. The idea is if you're not in the consideration set of the category, you probably will have a hard time selling it. And that was, um, you know, clear to us, or I guess that, that, I don't know if it was clear, but like we, we knew we weren't selling with a lot of velocity. But once we solved that, sales velocity just picked up. Like we were starting to get demos, call requests, like it worked. So what I'm hearing then is that you guys kind of saw what the market was already wanting, what problems they're already having, and the language that they were using to search for that thing. But then my question is i mean did that did the ceo founder pull away from his desire of what he wanted to build i mean it sounds like what you guys started out with was like what he wanted to build and then saw the market it's like okay well the market wants this and then just kind of switched but how do you keep your passion of what you're building because i think it's so easy to yeah just become one with the market and then all of a sudden you guys are all the same but if he's over here being like well i really want it you know, I don't know, a listening platform or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, this is what I think is actually important. I feel yeah, like it's a weird balance to try and stay true to what you know is, you know, what you believe, even if it takes longer or so, you can go with the hot thing. Yeah. So I think that there are definitely builders that have like a persona that they want in their company. Ours definitely wasn't like that. Um, our, the, I mean, truth be told, Peter Heffering, great dude. From the very beginning, from the moment I met him, his goal was to generate bootstrap as much sales as possible and sell the company. Like okay. That was his goal. And so this answered that itch. It wasn't like he was trying to build a 10-year company, a 100-year company. Like those, That was yeah. not his priority. Like He had a clear agenda and priority, which is fine because he found people also that were like, I align with that vision. Mm-hmm. So for the more longer term, like maybe um, like I would say your vision, Steph, it's like what you want to build. I think it's just, a, that's a different game. I'm just sharing how yeah. we did it, like how we were able to step away and be like, let's, this is how we're going to accelerate this business. Cause that was, that was the main question he was mm-hmm. asking, which is how do I accelerate this business? Yep. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's why this is so interesting because there are so many different ways to grow a company. And I think it depends on what your goals are. Like if you're building something because you're like, this is really good market timing and I know people are looking for this and they need it and then I want to sell it. That's a whole different thing than, yeah, when I'm like, well, I really care about telling these stories and I really want to stay this path and I don't want to do all, you know, just random sponsor ads for everything, like, because I don't really love that model, maybe for some of our shows, but I don't want it for all of them. And there is a balance though, because I'm like, yeah, the market probably would be, it's an easier sell to do what everyone else is doing. It's harder to hold on to something where you're like, but this is more important. And I might be saying no to money by not going with the model that everyone else is doing right now. But, you know, it's important to make sure, you know, we get our freedom of speech of what we want to talk about or get to tell the stories that we want and that we're not being incentivized by, you know, yeah, just the money. Yeah. Yeah. No question. So for yourself, if what you want to build is the best way to say is like, let's say you want to make something, but there's just really not a lot of market demand. Not you, not, not mm-hmm. that you can tell right now. So uh, let's say like for someone's like, Hey, I really, really want to do, you know, cat art. That's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say that person's out there you know, and you're doing a hundred thousand dollars a year of cat art. And you're like, man, I really want to scale my cat art business. The reason why I say this is because my daughter Isla has been drawing cats a lot lately. She's been asking for cats. I'm going to a cat cafe this weekend. The reason why I'm going is because my wife is deathly allergic to cats. She will like literally croak because uh, <laughs> her, because her airways will shut. So like Isla's like, I want something that I can't ever have. I don't know, but she's drawing all these cats lately. Aww. So so it's like, this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Can that be your business? I think that, well, one, if you're already making $100,000 a year on cat art, I'd say, <laughs> hell yeah, it can be. Yeah. Uh, cat I mean, tattoos. Yeah. I think that what I see now is there is more ability for people to do anything they want, especially if they have the passion behind it and the energy and action to do it. Like, you can't just be like, I'm a visionary and I'm just going to think about all my cat art and I'm so brilliant. And five <laughs> years later, you're like, I'm a visionary. I'm, I'm still right. figuring it out. Like, I think that if you have that passion to make something work and you have an ability to have a longer time horizon of how you can think about things where you're like, you know what? I'm going to be in this. And until it's 10 years, and that's what I've had to tell myself sometimes. I'm like, most companies don't even make it till after year seven. Like year seven is when most companies can like see if they're even going to stay around or not. And so that was originally always my goal, even when the company was like, whoa, whoa, going up, down, like sideways. I'm like, year seven is when like, that'll be the point I need to make it to at least. And then it's like, okay, year 10, year 15, whatever. But I do think setting that longer term goal, if it feels like it's like a passion project and you're like, I don't really see a lot of interest right now, but it is really fun. um, I say people should go for it if they have the action and the passion behind it. Um, And, you know, I'm always about not doing things in the most risky way. So for someone like that, I'm like, I don't know if I would leave your job completely to do it. Um, But if you love it and you want to get home and do it at night and like see what you can make from it, like that's my method normally. It's just like, yeah, of course. But if you're launching something because you're like, this is the timing and the market and I see people, companies are getting huge rounds of funding and they're exiting and getting acquired and I've got something like that I know I can make in this space, then that's the time when I'd be like, yeah, maybe you go all in if you can and you bet on it. And yeah. And then you give yourself a shorter time horizon because you're like, this market is moving so quick. If I want to come in and make some technology for, you know, image design with AI, there's a lot of competition right now that's coming up, but I know my things a lot better and I know the way then, yeah, maybe you should go all in and yeah, take the bet in that, that timing or that uh, space. See, that's where I'm like, it's so 
different, but either way, I'd say yes to, it depends what you want to do. That is always my advice, really. You know, you know, like thinking about all the times you've come to me for advice and I always say like, well, what is most likely to fit your persona? Because that is actually the key component. The key component mm -hmm. is what could you stand to do? And I always feel like when I meet people that are like, so for example, let's say we meet someone who is running a bakery, who is really wants to develop a new process or wants to think differently because they're burning out and like they're super tired or whatever the case may be. They'd love to generate more cash because they think that it'll get them more time. That's usually the number one complaint. I don't know if it's like a chicken or egg kind of deal, but it's typically the problem is rooted in they are too central to their business. They are losing, I think, some passion for what it is they are doing. Mm -hmm. And then the third, the third component of it is they need the money. And that's always when those three combinations of factors come together, people are unbelievably frustrated. How would you recommend people solve that? That is, that's the trifecta when people, because that's everyone you feel that's in that circle. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much money it is, like even if it's a million dollars for whatever reason, they feel like stepping less than a million is a problem. You know what I mean? That's usually like one of the barriers that, that they have to face. But So you had three things. What was it? It was losing passion. You've lost some passion for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And in time. You have to, yeah. You, you, there's something that's occupying too much of your time. So you can't like, you can't scale. You're too dependent on yourself for it. So there's like that. And scale, when we say scale, that doesn't necessarily mean 10x. Scale could be, hey, give me three weeks off. Like mm -hmm. I need to scale to the point where I need three weeks off and we don't lose any money. Mm -hmm. um, so it's passion, income, time. It's usually when those three things are hitting at each other, that's when the person is least upset, no matter how much money their business makes. Yeah. Which one do you think is the top one? Because I think if you have passion. I think time, I think time is it. Because I think yeah. anything that you do consistently, still you need to, it's just like my wife taking care of her baby. Of course, she loved our babies, but damn, she just needed a break every now and then. Like, can you please take this baby? I'm tired of this baby. Not because I hate this baby, but I just want to not have a baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I think it's the time. I think people just, no matter what you love, nobody loves to do that thing 24 seven all the time. I think time mm -hmm. is the, once that time starts feeling like you can't get away from it, it starts to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think from a time perspective, I mean, that's why I've, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of looking at what do I like to do? What do I not want to be involved with? And then bringing people in to do those things for us who have way more passion for it. And they're going to get the job done way better because this is what they want to do. And so I do think time, I think if you're making money, can be easily figured out if you just go through and make a list of all your tasks and be like, does this bring me energy and joy or no? And then go through You've it. You've got to sacrifice some money too. Yep. And I, I am willing to sacrifice money almost always if it means that it will bring more joy to my life. Like joy is my number one thing of like, I want to be learning and joyful. And if I'm going through a list and I'm like, I'm still doing our accounting. No, like that's yes, I, I know. And I'm like, yes, I have a finance background. Yes, I manage billions of dollars. Do I want to manage our money? No. Like, I don't want to do that because it doesn't bring me joy. And wait, you don't want to read the red lines? No, I don't want to do it. And like, I know that about myself, but it was because of going through a list of like, here's everything that I'm doing right now. And then bringing in people who I'm like, Albert literally does this so much quicker than me. He likes it. And it's good to have a third party like you come in and be like, 
hey, Steph, here's what I'm actually seeing, because it can be easy to be tied up in the emotions of things when you're looking at numbers. Same thing with, you know, I don't want to be in the weeds, like editing audio anymore, like I used to. I mean, there's so many things that it'd be easy to stay in if I was like, oh, I don't want to pay someone money to do this because I know how to do it. Sure, I know how to do it. But there's so many people who know how to do it better than me. And I will always uh, pay people if it gives me time back in my life. So yeah, I think time is an easier one to figure out. You just have to get out of that scarcity mindset and not be like, oh, okay, if I pay them $20 an hour, that's $20 less. Well, what can you do with your time instead? I might generate $100 extra an hour if I'm paying someone 20. That's a good return right there. And so just thinking about it more abundantly of like, not only is that going to give me a lot more time, I'm going to be able to do a lot more with that time, whatever that looks like. Maybe more is traveling and then you come back to your business and you're way better because you had that kind of time. Or maybe time is you know, you're getting that extra time and now you can work on your business even more and like think of a new direction or new products or new, you know, offerings. So, so. there's a, there's a huge wave because you, everyone knows I listen to Kobe Sanchez and one of the things she always talks about, of course, is acquiring small businesses and how there's going to be a huge wealth transfer of small businesses and how there's just not, there's actually there's literally not enough people to buy them. And, um, and also these people are passing on businesses for whatever reason, their children or whoever their closest family members are, they don't want them either. And I always think to myself, like, for example, I've, I, and I, and I, cause I look, I look at trans world advisors and I, I check them out. And I remember like one recently that I took a look at was this florist shop. Um, cause a florist shop is actually quite predictable. They close on the, they don't, they don't actually see customers. Like if you think about a flower store, like people don't really come in, they order bouquets typically on like Teleflora or something like that. And then it comes to you through the FTP network. And then you package up the flower, you ship it and they pay you. And that's typically how, I mean, most people have no idea, but that's how typically how flower shops run. And I got to talking to one person and like this person has literally just never attempted to sacrifice some of their pay to train and pay someone else to fill these flowers. Because I was like, this thing is a moneymaker. You could easily train somebody and you don't have to sell it. You could still reap, let's say 50% of the cash flow but spend 0% of the time if you were willing to train people to do this. But she never did. She just mm-hmm. wanted to always be the person who um, who ran the flower shop. And then I could see quickly why she didn't, it was hard to sell because like no systems, no automation. Like if you wanted a supplier list, she's like, oh, what do you mean? It's like in her iPhone. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. My supplier list. It's like, <laughs> like yeah. well, who's got the best what? She's like, oh, you know, this shop has the best roses for wholesale. This one has the best daffodils for wholesale. I was like, well, no like systems, no charting, nothing. And I was like, this is so weird because I know that like at 1-800-Flowers, which was a customer of ours uh, back in the day, I knew it was systematized. Like they could almost predict how many roses would be purchased per location for Valentine's Day. And I was like, man, this is why your business is hard to sell because mm-hmm. while it cash flows, you've literally done nothing to make it scalable. You've done invested no money into making it trainable. And here you are, you can't sell it because it's, you yeah. are the business. Yeah. And that's a problem. And that's something I know we've been cognizant of. Like we can't be the business because Mm-mm. unfortunately, if you are the business, you come with it. You yep. have to. You can't step away and you can't. Yeah. I mean, that is a scenario. That's why I also think that so many small businesses like that have such a big opportunity if they're willing to look at it very differently than it's ever been run before, where it's like, okay, clean slate. You're getting this business passed on to you or, you know, you can like acquire this business for pretty cheaply. Why go into it being like, I need to make this certain amount of money? Like, because money drives people in such the wrong way. Like if you don't already have passion for that thing, that business, 
And then you've got the money piece where you're holding on so tightly to Then I'm like, I don't see how you can make good decisions if you're really that reliant on that income. And that's why I think, I mean, even at Mission here, I think we've been able to make the decisions that we do because both you and I have been able to go without paychecks before. We've been able to go for like with low salaries for quite some time so that we could think about it in a fresh way without like holding on tight to like, oh, we need to make this amount of money. Like we set ourselves up that way from our past decisions to be able to do that. But I think it allowed for us to make good, hard decisions because we don't hold on tight to the money that mission brings us. And then I've also still got the passion of what we're doing here. Um, and then the time piece works out well, I would say, for almost everyone on our team. Time is a nice thing. I'm not requiring people to come into the office. I'm not requiring like all this FaceTime. Pretty flexible. So like I get the time, I've got the passion. And then the money thing, I'm like, yeah, if it, it'll come if I keep putting in the hard work. But that's not what's going to drive my decisions. And I mean, we've seen that where we've turned clients away. We've been like, we're not going to renew in this way. We're not going to do it this way. Um, and then we've been able to explore new things because of that, too, because we're not just chasing the money as like where we want to go. And we're not chasing the market in our space. It's like, here's what we want to do. And if this business just burns up because, you know, people don't want what I want to give to the world, I'm better off that way than like chasing a trend or chasing like what everyone else is doing. And that's just because I've got the passion of what I want to do and I'm willing to stick it out to keep pushing hard on that regardless yeah. of the money. It's uh, it's funny because we talked about it before we started the show. If if anyone goes to a Reddit, I love Reddit personally. Uh, so there's a Reddit group. It's user group or sub tag. I forget what they call it. Slash Henry Finance. So high earning, not rich yet. But I'm telling you the number one subject in Henry Finance Reddit is how do I not, how do I hold on to my money? Mm -hmm. It's like the number one subject. People aren't necessarily trying to advance. They're not trying to do something they're passionate about. They're just like, well, how much can I get? Am I doing the right thing with what I got? And it's an interesting mindset. And, it, and, I, and I think that's where what you were talking about is like for people who have passion projects, it's like your, your runway. So runway is the term we always use, which is, you know, of course, cash versus cash in, income versus expenses. Your runway, because we can control our runway more, because we can literally turn the expense spigot off from you and I and just be like, all right, move the wages down, move our wages yeah. down, move our wages down. Um, it, it's providing this runway to be like, okay, can I land where I need to land? doesn't mean we'll get there. It doesn't mean we will or won't get there, excuse me, but it does give us a chance to keep doing, in your case, like what you're most interested in, what you're most passionate about. And I get to do what I'm most interested in too, which is like helping small businesses try to grow. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I, I don't know how to make anything. So, so I help people make things. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I do. And so for people that don't feel like they have, that's the problem is they literally don't feel like they have a runway to do that. They feel like if they lose one month of income that it's over for them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that fear and that constriction is what holds a lot of people back. And I'm all about having good true. Like it I think having true. like they might've built their lives expenses up to the point where they need every single dollar. But that's what I'm saying. I think that is what can be the problem is because you've you've increased your lifestyle so much i mean i always assume that mission might be great and there might be downturns and i try not to increase my lifestyle too much depending on what our revenue is because it really doesn't impact me each month anyways um but i'm not going to like increase my lifestyle because of that but because i haven't done that i don't feel that like neediness of like oh my gosh i need every dollar 
And actually what I'd like to do is go outside of that completely of like, yes, I want to be smart about my finances. I want to invest. I want to, you know, do the responsible things. But I also want to know that if I lost all this today, I also would be fine. <laughs> like if everything burned down, I have a knowing that like I would be good. And I'd figure it out. If I need to sell my house, I sell my house. If I got to sell my car, like if I got to pull my kids out of school, that belief for me of like I could lose everything and I'll still be okay. That's what I think some people are. Um, my friends, people I've been around are missing because they've built up yes. this huge lifestyle and then they're grasping onto it. And then I think that fear can really like hurt people mentally and like then their decisions that they're making because they're just holding on to this lifestyle so tightly instead of like having the more stoic mindset of like, if everything burned down to the ground around me, I have the confidence in me that I'll figure it out. And no matter what, me and my kids and my family, we will literally be happy anywhere. Like we would figure it out and we would be happy. And it might be a little tough and there might be like, you know, another whole like startup cost of like getting back in the workforce or whatever it might be. But that knowing of like, I'll be good no matter what, I think helps me have more fun here and then take bigger bets and then also not be like, you know, worrying about the money too much because I'm like, whether we have it or not, I'm still doing what I want and I'll be good no matter what. There it is. I mean, it's, it's literally that flexibility. Like you've set your floor, what I call very high. So because your floor is high, you can chase things you're more interested in. So, and in the, like the, so what I call the, when I, what I mean by the floor is high is you will fall. To, if everything collapses, you will fall to your floor. Well, where's your floor, right? For some people, it might be about tens of thousands of dollars in debt per month mm -hmm. uh, because they've built their lifestyle up to that level, right? For some people, it's going to be like, they'll get their car repoed. They'll get their house repoed. Like they can't afford to go without a paycheck. So that's the, so that's a problem. For me, you know, I've done it a little differently. You know, I do long-term investments. I do rental houses. I do small business consulting. Like I just, cause I'm interested in it. So I'm like you, if all the people I work with were to shut their doors today, cause someone once asked me like, you don't have ownership on these things. You have ownership. Like I say, like, you know, you don't have ownership on these things. Well, what next? Like, I was like, it doesn't, it sounds egotistical or whatever, but it doesn't really matter. Like I get people asking me to help them all the time. Like, <laughs> but that's like the confidence and knowing, yeah. you know, you'll be good. You'll figure yeah, it out good. and you'll find because new people. Making good emotionless judgments about money is a skill. Mm -hmm. It sounds crazy, but it is. It just is like, because yeah. most people can't do it. Yeah. I have to have this or I can't yeah. do that. Like, eh, you should do it. Yeah. I, I think yeah, that fear is what keeps people in that state. And what I, what I've done that has been very helpful is um, whether you can be meditating while you're doing it or whatever, whatever process you want. But I'll literally go to like the worst scenario where I'm like, OK, and I did this when the company was having issues where I'm like, OK, worst case scenario, because if not, you're just hanging out in fear and you're just hanging out like, oh, it could be terrible. It could be terrible. I'll go to that terrible. I'll be like, OK, if this happens, I'm selling this, I'm selling that. I'm down to zero dollars. I'm this much in debt. And like. I go all the way to the end. Can it get worse? Can it get worse? Can it get worse? So it's like, I can't even think of anything worse than that. Like the worst thing is, I guess I end up dying. Like that's maybe how bad it gets. But no, nah, no, nah, the worst like, is you have a long-term disability. Okay. Or that. That'd be, that'd be tough. Yeah. But I more keep it like focused on what is that fear about? Is it about the bu business money? Mm -hmm. Like I keep it that I'm not like going into like health problems and stuff. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that obviously. Yeah. That's happens. like a whole so different thing. No matter what you're doing, that's a problem. Yeah. 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 Mine's more focused on like, if you have a company and you're holding on tight to something and then you're worrying, 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 like that's so bad for your body to be in a constant state of worry. 
and you're worrying about a future that's not even here. So you're pretending that you're smart enough to basically be God and know that, like, I know what's coming down the pike. <laughs> and instead being like, OK, great, let me go there then mentally and then see what's happening in that state. And then when you get there, most times for me, I've been like, nah, not that bad. I'll figure it out. Like, yes, I'll have nothing, but I'll figure it out. And it's just been a helpful practice to. Yeah, I, I mean, I would call it being more stoic with my thinking and not letting fear control me or make decisions for me out of, you know, money or what I think I need and the lifestyle I'm trying to hold up when really like it's not that bad if you don't have it. So so let's help our audience and summarize this because I think we came out when we started this topic, we thought we had an answer, but I think we've come to a different answer, which is if you want to. So like the first question was, how do I think about my business differently? in order to scale. And we already said, well, there's two types of business that we know of, one that can scale through simply replicating itself. And so that's off the table because you guys have, I think, a different problem than the companies that have to figure out a new product line, a new service line, a new costing line, a new delivery line, like these, uh, so software, creative, um, in, in general, just services, they, you guys play in a different game. So we're talking about service-based businesses, possibly more creative-based service businesses too. And what we've come to the conclusion is you probably will not come to an answer unless you can have the ability to step away and think about your business differently without fearing for some type of consequence that pulls you right back into what you were already doing. And those three fears come from lost money loss, time loss, and passion loss like that that's the like if you lose because if any of these three things happen to you you probably will not be able to clearly think of the newest way to solve this problem and so that's a little bit different than i think when we first started this conversation of how to solve this because we're more thinking strategy we're talking about customer base but it's really you will never come to those conclusions if you can't solve these three things yeah yeah so pull away get in a different environment maybe even or, just a weekend you, if you can't pull away you got to solve one of those three things mm-hmm you got to yep. solve those three things first, and then you can pull away, I feel mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Or you just pull away regardless. Yeah, I think pull away. Like, step so, one, get out. Get out of that environment. Just do it. And then go through and figure out what's happening here. Is it the passion loss? Is it the time loss? Is it the money loss? And then from there, then you're able to at least navigate forward, like, how do I work on these problems now that I'm outside of the environment? So, yeah, get away. Determine, like, look inward and figure out what's happening for you, what's coming up for you. And then you can have a plan and every person will be different. So the most immediate thing is money loss. Like you have to be willing to lose a little bit of money. Even whatever money, amount of money that is, you're like, oh, I can't shut my business down for two days. Yes, you can. Yep. Yes, shut you it can. down. Shut it down. Two days. You're not going to make any money. It's like, even if you were a, a doctor, like, hey, or a dentist, like if I'm not taking care of people's teeth, I'm not earning anything. Well, you got to figure out a way to yep. go for a week without earning, yep. <laughs> cleaning some teeth. Because that's what's keeping you in that hamster wheel, that way of thinking of like, oh, if I step away even for an hour, things are going to crumble. Let it. Watch it. I mean, that actually is the most helpful thing that I've ever seen when I'm like, oh, wow, this is what happens if I step away. It doesn't crumble. Yeah, it doesn't crumble actually most times and you're fine. Yeah, but then, yeah most the, if you're if you're a doctor or an accountant listening out there and you think that you can't step away for a week. Just do it. You, all, all that's going to happen is people are going to say, well, when can you know your existing customers are going to be like, well, when like not this <laughs> week, well, when? You yep. know, yep. you'll still be all right. All right. Well, that was awesome. I'm excited to do this at least 
once or twice a year, but Shut it's it a yeah, it's a newfound <laughs> rejuvenation of we get to keep doing this. So thanks everyone for tuning in today. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. As Albert mentioned, the majority of you are not subscribed and you're listening Super to weird. us. Please do it. We want you to subscribe. That's how we know you like what you're listening to. That's how other people find us. So subscribe on Apple. Subscribe on Spotify. Go find us on there. Um, Those are the main platforms. So do that. And we will see you all next time. Yes. And all I heard from Stephanie is every quarter we're going to shut it down. That's interesting. I can't wait. Hoping to it. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) 